Hello and welcome to Sister Love. We appreciate you tuning in tonight. We have a wonderful topic for you today. I have guests with me today. I have Erica from Georgia and Kristen from Georgia. Um, Erica is my sister. And then Kristen, you've heard on a several of our podcasts so far. And they're going to join me tonight in talking about love and relationships. But we're going to do it with a little twist. Uh, we know a lot of times art imitates life and then sometimes life reinterprets or imitates art. And we're going to talk about how we learn about love and relationships growing up from the community and then maybe those close to us. But then we're going to talk about, you know, what did that representation look like in media um, in terms of our identity? And what are some of the things that resonated with us with some of our favorite films? And then what are some of the things that may have not been represented or made yet still to be covered um, as we navigate love and relationships. Because if we're thinking about it, even though there's like three major pandemics going across the globe, which is race, health, and environment, people are still navigating relationships, whether they're friendships, workships, um, people who they're legally connected to, uh, whether it's common law or marriages or other practices that aren't being named. And those pandemics don't stop those relationships, but it can impact how you're navigating those. So, again, we wanted to go with a little a lighter topic, but a topic that is also relative because it doesn't matter what's happening in the backdrop of any of our lives. Love is always going to punch its way through. Um, so now I'm going to turn it over to my guests, Erica and Kristen, to tell you a little bit about themselves, and then we will take it from there. So, Erica, do you want to tell Honest a little bit about yourself. Hello, this is Erica. As Corinne said, I am her sister. Um, I am in Georgia, currently located, a graduate of Fort Rose State University and Mercer University, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Erica. And Kristen, if you remind our audience. Hey, everybody. I'm Kristen. Um, I'm back again, and I'm excited to be here. So let's get started. All right, sounds good. So, before, so as we get started, I ask each person to think about a movie that is like either their favorite or has had like an impact on them in terms of just being a person or something they relate to. So I'm gonna let each of us kick out what that movie is, why it. It, it, it moves you or why it may be on your top, at least your top 10 list of movies that are representative for you. And then we'll start picking some of the, you know, topics about love and relationships apart. So whichever person want to throw out their favorite movie, go for it. I'll go last. So yesterday, I originally wanted to talk about something new. Um, the movie was Sonale then. Um, and her interracial dating experience. But on yesterday afternoon, I ended up watching Disappearing Act. Wow. And again, Sanaa Lathan. Mm -hmm. um, and as, as I, I, and I don't have a word for it, but the movie, I, I enjoy it. It is one of my favorites, and I think that it is 
representative of a lot of the relationships that are going on in the world and a lot of the relationships that are, you know, that we see play out on social media. Um, I think this is life imitating art and art imitating life. Um, it was a very realistic movie, so a little bit of background on Disappearing Acts if you haven't seen it. We have Franklin, who is a blue-collar worker. Franklin does construction and woodwork, and Zora is a music teacher. Um, they cross paths when she pulls up in the Big Apple, and they the movers essentially leave her stuff on the street. Franklin helps her, and then they kind of develop a relationship from there. Well... Franklin does not have a GED. He works, he does not work for a union construction site. Zora kind of has her stuff together, but when they're cross, when they're cross, when their paths cross, um, she tries to help him and assist him, but you know, Franklin is kind of hiding things. You know, he's married, he has two kids, you know, that sort of thing. And then as they move forward, you know, there comes the breakdown in communication where Franklin is not telling her things. She's trying to help Franklin, but Franklin has this pride thing, which you see in a lot of, and I don't want to, I mean, you know, I've, I've only dated black men, but black men have that pride thing that always kind of gets in the way and they don't see our help as help. They kind of see it as, you know, a put down or, you know, that you're not letting them be a man. Um, well, long story short, Franklin, you know, they separate. Franklin kind of trashes her apartment and keeps the cushion. In that time, he gets his stuff together. He gets his GED. He gets his contractor's license. And he's ready to start his business. And then he comes back. And although she takes him back, which is the movie part of the of the film, you know, the happy ending, I find that a lot of people are in these situations and I, I got to the end of the movie and I was just like, I wouldn't take it to that bag. Like, he literally tore up everything in her apartment except for the piano that he gave her the down payment for. And it was just such a toxic relationship because at every turn, um, Zora was trying to assist Franklin, like, hey, Franklin, you told me you don't have your GED. Well, you should start, start studying for your GED because Franklin had, was also between jobs. And I don't know if anybody knows someone that works construction, but they're always between jobs unless they are on with a specific company. Um, so Franklin was always between jobs and things like that. So that was putting the stress on the relationship. And, of course, she stepped up to the plate in the beginning. I was like, I'll carry, I'll do this, I'll do that. And... You know, I think it's a thing of boundaries. It shouldn't, there are some things that shouldn't have been discussed on the front end, um, especially on Franklin's part, being that he was married and he already had two kids. Um, so open communication um, and disclosure um, to your partner are very important. But also more importantly is that a lot of women, when we get into relationships, we tend to want to be kept and save a hoe. And that is just not, you know, a position that we should put ourselves into. And that's, that's that on that. That's what I took from the movie. It was, you know, it goes both ways. But um, more often than not, that is what I see playing out on social media and in real life. That sort of relationship where it's just toxicity. So, um, yeah. You know what? Watch it. <laughs> So, Kristen, this is Erica. I just had a quick question. Do you think that she um, 
because it's been a minute since I've watched the movie or read the book. Do you really think that she um, took him back because she genuinely loved him? Or do you think that maybe she felt she had invested too much and she wanted to see return on her investment? I think that she wanted to, I think it's a little bit of both. They did have a child, so there was a child at play there. And, you know, Laura, she did say that, you know, she grew up with, you know, the two-parent home, that sort of thing. So, you know, she wanted that for her child more than ever. And Franklin had essentially come full circle. So I do believe that she loved him and that the love was genuine. But I also believe that she wanted a return on her investment like so many women. You know, we have a tendency to kind of, you know, stick to, stick with these men or our partners through the thick of it. And I do mean the very thick of it where they are coming up through, you know, life and then you get shit on and then it's kind of like, oh, they went on and they blossomed and they became everything that you groomed them or helped them to be. And it's like, I want a refund. Listen, well, and you know what, as both of you all are talking about that, um, and we're going to do this a little bit for each movie, and then we are going to, excuse me, get a little gritty with it. The overarching thing, two words, fantasy and betrayal. We got to have a conversation during this talk about all three of these movies about when when and how and where did Black women learn how to betray themselves? And protect other people before they protected themselves. And when did we learn that fantasy was more important? And I, I think that's beyond black women, just women, women identify folks in, in general. There is a social norm around fantasies. Cause if you and for those who haven't seen the movie, go watch the movie. You you want to watch this. She had dreams and she stopped her dreams for this relationship. She stopped being her everybody that was in her support and in, in, in her life they were watching her no longer be her but be her to whoever this guy needed to be they lost their friend they lost their you know family member and he gained a added mom a added support and in the dating world this is common i'm out here dating and i can tell you what franklin did sending his best representative out here that's what a lot of people do they take away your choice to decide if you would really want to know this person if you knew the full of them by showing them the best of them for anywhere from 30 days to six months. And then after the honeymoon period, this is what you really have. And that's, you know, I hear my dad's advice. He always tells me it takes time to get to know somebody. And I love my daddy, but our family has lived through some things. So when this man tell me it takes time to get to know somebody, sir, I believe every word coming off your mouth. You right, Pop? It takes time. And I think because we have these fantasies of, and I know this is me, and a lot of us, when you're excited and you're anxious and you see based on what he's showing you, the good stuff, but sometimes the good stuff allows you not to see the other stuff or we don't see the trade-offs. So for these five things, there's two things that wipe out these five things. And I won't go any further, but I just wanted to kick up those two words. I think all three of these movies are going to talk about self-betrayal, if not relationship betrayal, and the fantasy thing that we get. 
any of the characters, because it's not just the women, but there's a lot of fantasy at play in romantic relationships. And I think that's when we start settling, we stop being our true selves or we start being portions of ourselves. We start playing small, but I'm going to be quiet. Um, and I'm going to let Erica take over for her movie that she's thinking about. So the movie that um, resonated with me, so we've all seen, or most of us have seen Best Man, The Best Man. Um, but The Best Man's Holiday, Ooh. that movie really resonated with me. Um, so in The Best Man Holiday, um, friends, college friends reunite after almost 15 years. And so at this point, they're in different um, parts of their lives. Um, most of them all have some type of success in their career field or have done um, well for themselves. Um, some people are thriving. Some people are more stagnant, but they are all in different parts of their lives, different relationships. Some are single, some are divorced, some you know are new business owners, successful athletes, writers. And, you know, reconnecting with friends, it, it's a whole dynamic in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And so for me, what I like about Best Man Holiday is it highlights real things that you go through that you never really prepared, or at least I didn't really have a lot of people to talk about, um, or at least in detail, how you grow apart from people, or you know, you try to stay in touch with people, and then certain friendships fall off because you get too busy, marriage, kids, or you make efforts, but you know, something comes up and you have to reschedule or postponement. Or you always think, I have time, I have time, I have time. And so throughout the course of the movie, or at least in the beginning, you see the one friend that's constantly reaching out to all the other friends, trying mm. to get everyone to get there. And what do they know? You know, she is basically on her deathbed. She has terminal illness, and she's trying to get everyone together one last time. And... It's like pulling, you know, teeth. Um, she is finally successful. And then you have all these different dynamics brought back together. So you have friends, you have, and if you know anything about friends, there's always some history, there's always some betrayal, there's always some secret. <laughs> and the best man holiday has all of the above and then some. Come on, and they got that juice. <laughs> and then add on top of that, children, um, marriages, other stressors. And so going into, going back to the movie, so the friends come together and they're able to reunite and, you know, it's awkward moments, you know, truth slowly come out. You have tensions, you have rivalries, because another thing that you don't, you don't always talk about, here talk about is competition between friends, the the idea that I need to keep up the same appearances or I need to um, be able to maintain and ball how you ball out or live how you live as opposed to me being comfortable and being successful in my own right and not feeling like I have to keep up with my friends. I know I've been fortunate to have, you know, conversations with my friends about that, but when I talk to other friends, they've, they feel like, oh, well, I need to be able to, you know, do this. And that movie, you know, definitely um, shows that, illustrates that. 
But um, another aspect that really stood out for me was, other than the growing apart, coming to terms with losing a friend and knowing that there's nothing you can really do. Because, you know, you always try to rally behind your friends. But, you know, when it's a terminal illness or something beyond your control, you know, what do you really do? And then how to cope with that that loss in your life and that loss of friendship, you know, when that person is gone or in the process leading up to their death. So that's why that movie really stood out to me. And there are other major aspects. Like, you could dissect this movie in, like, several segments. But the main segments for me was the or the main aspects for me were the dealing and coping with the loss of friendships and dealing with you know friendships in adulthood and how they change those are some key parts when i tell you some of the hardest things that i ever had to navigate was transitions you know i think a few a lot of us or a few of us we have those long-term relationships whether they go back to elementary school middle school high school college or like maybe work relationships or for some people it's their cousin group or you know a connection with uncles and aunts or some people it's long-term um love relationships things change people change people evolve some people like you said stay stagnant but those things will push you um i had a boss a long time ago during my um days working in south carolina you know, she was like, relations, friendship relationships are just as crucial and require just as much effort as romantic relationships are. Um, the investment, the maintenance part. Um, that's why some of y'all ain't got good friendships. Um, no judging, but some people, listen, everything requires maintenance. If your car need maintenance, you better believe people need maintenance. Um, and it's not about you fixing people, but it's about those communication pieces of, Y'all ain't the same people y'all were in college. So how y'all talk on the phone or your frequency or what you talk about may change as y'all's lifestyles change, as people adapt different habits um, to thrive in their own personal lives. And especially if you don't talk that often, but y'all talk seasonally, kind of like the best man holiday and the best man movies, um, that looks different. So I can't wait to deep dive into that because there's a lot of uh, my thing for this one, there's a lot of expectations that were never communicated, that were glossed over, a lot of hurt feelings, um, a lot of unmet needs. Yes. Because a lot of times <clears throat> we assume because, oh, it looks like Kurt is doing well, all is well in her life. Things aren't always what they appear. And, you know, in the movie, we see that very vividly. A lot of people who look like they're doing well aren't necessarily doing as well as it appears. So that part. And I think that's where checking in on your friends becomes very essential because in watching that movie, a lot of them had not talked or their paths had not crossed in those 15 years since the wedding. And they just kind of fell into their own things, but nobody ever stopped the thing. Let me pick up the phone and let me see how my friend is doing. Let me check in on them. Let me, you know, schedule a lunch date or something to see how they're really doing. Although it seems that they're doing very well. And I think that as friends sometimes, we can kind of get bogged down in our own lives and our own things that we don't go back to the basics, the simple things. Just picking up the phone or 
not even picking up the phone, but shooting a quick text, like, hey, you know, you good? You okay? What's going on? Right, and not just that superficial, hey, is everything okay? Oh, I'm fine. You're fine. I'm fine. We're fine. Not that superficial right. communication check-in, but really, hey, how's your mental health? Hey, are you eating? Hey, is your family okay? Like, really having these conversations to check on people, and even if that's I'm busy right now, but you crossed my mind, and I really just want to check on you and make sure you're, you're all right. Is it okay if I reach back out later, call later, text later? Because sometimes, you know, just that quick little second can really make someone's day, and it may also cause them to open up and be, be like, I'm really not okay. But we need to check on our friends and, you know, and family members, cousins, what have you. The same way we would pursue a relationship. I think you're absolutely correct, Coretta. And thank you, Erica and Kristen. And for those that don't know, this is going to be another one. Um, I had my other sister on, and I think I warned y'all. So I'm not going to give away Erica's full name, but one of her nicknames is Nikki. And so you're going to hear me say Erica, Nikki, whichever comes up first. Um, almost like how my mom calls her on all of us because she forgets our names. Um, but it's so ingrained in me. So if you hear me say one minute Erica, next man Nikki, that's the same person. There are not four people on this this conversation. It's three, I promise. Um, I mean, it might be. It might be. Might, look, look, we might be touching, you know, some spirit world stuff. So I don't know. <laughs> we might be breaking some generational curses too. So maybe there's some extra people on the call. Um, chim chim. <laughs> Um, the cut up is real. The cut up is strong with this group. Um, I am going to highlight the one movie that Kristen mentioned as something new. And then my movie is Brown Sugar. So with Brown Sugar, oh my gosh, when you talk about life out here, um, on a TV screen, the main characters are Sydney, who is, she has my dream job. She is a hip hop columnist, reporter, um, incredible career. She's originally from New York where she met her best friend, Dre, um, at an old school, like Bronx. This is the early eighties, the, you know, the really birth out of hip hop was full throttle. Um, it's B-boys, it's Slick Rick. This movie is lined up with a lot of hip hop pioneers, a lot of cool hip hop Legends like Angie Martinez and Queen Latifah are sprinkled throughout. Um, Dre is also in entertainment. He is actually working at a record label. He's an exec and he's like their top exec and he puts on acts. Um, the movie starts off with basically Dre needs Sid's column in a source. If you don't know what the source is, Google it. Um, it used to be the Mecca magazine for hip hop. It, they would rate like what they would rate a new hip hop album back in the 90s and late 80s. Like that was crucial. Like, you know, did you get four mics? Did you get five mics? Five mics, mics you know, your, your stuff was flawless. Um, there would be debates, things like that. But either way, there's these two kids who grew up in the Bronx, grew up around hip hop, and they chose careers that were connected to their first love. So there's a lot of metaphorical um, connections in this movie to hip hop being the first love of my life um, in the Roots crew. Uh, look up the Roots if you don't know your music. Um, uh, they play for Jimmy Fallon uh, for people who aren't in the know. Um, that song starts the movie. Their history starts the movie. But basically these best friends, 
are friends for a well over 15 something years, 15, 20 something years. They end up being bi-coastal as Sid moves to the West Coast. She moves back to the East Coast due to a job promotion. Um, and that brings up a lot of stuff, kind of like the other two movies we just navigated, right? Um, they have unspoken expectations and a romantic undergirding. So they're those friendship group that's like, they're so intimate. And when I say intimate, I'm not talking about um, sexual intimacy. I'm talking about they're so emotional intimate that they have a bond where they know everything about each other inside and out from what they drink to what they eat. So like they lean on each other for crucial life um, advice, things of that nature. But the problem is, as the movie continues to open, um, Dre ends up proposing at a party to his future wife with Sid there. And that's Sid's intro to what's happening with Dre's wife. And you can immediately sense the tension of they have unfinished business. At some point early in their life, you don't see it. They tried to date, it fizzled, it didn't work, and they left it alone, but they left things unsaid. And they never resolved the fact that both of them, through their friendship and that strong intimacy, were not fully letting other people into their lives. Because as the movie progresses, you see people push them like, oh my God, y'all will be good together. Like, why are y'all not doing this? And Sid, you need to step up. Don't let Dre make this mistake. And there's some things that happen romantically, but not directly address between Sid and Dre, but then you also see what it looks like when people don't have boundaries, expectations, and when you don't have those crucial conversations you need to have with people, meaning you're betraying yourself because you're lying when you're watching your best friend marry somebody when you know you want that to be you, but you haven't come to grips with you actually want that. Um, you're willing to play the background role because there's safety there and you know your role, you know your place. But do you? Because every time Sydney is somewhere, she ends up, I won't say she oversteps, but she ends up appearing to do a lot because she knows a lot. And because she has these mixed feelings that she won't out to herself. And I say to herself, before you can be real with another person, you got to be real with yourself. And she's not ready. And it's not until she gets an engagement that Dre has to deal with his feelings for Sid, that Dre has to acknowledge you be bringing Sid into wife scenarios and wife issues and not taking those to your wife. And Dre has some fidelity issues within his marriage with his partner. And Sid ends up not realizing that she can't love her future fiance the way she could because Dre still has too much of her heart. So again, great movie. If you've not seen Brown Sugar, um, that's Tay Diggs playing Dre. It's Sanai Lathan. And she's a common plant throughout these movies. She's in actually all three, all four of the movies I'm going to talk about. Come on tonight. Um, she said in this movie, I'm going to switch gears. Um, uh, the other movie is the one that Kristen lightly brought up, and it's called A Something New. That movie also has a little bit of self-betrayal pieces of that because that main character is Kenyon. She's a lawyer stiff. She's not stiff because she's a lawyer. She's a lawyer because she's a workaholic. And boy, do I relate to that. Um, working through that, don't judge. She puts her career, her job, and her parents' debutante for life expectations above what she really wants. This movie is about a young lady who gets set up on a blind date. She doesn't realize the guy is not from the African-American community or the diaspora. Um, just because you're Black doesn't mean you're African-American. Um, and that character's name is Brian in this movie played by Simon Baker. If you've seen 
uh, Devil Wears Prada. He's uh, one of the characters in that movie. And there's parts in this movie where you watch her, she shrinks from their first blind date because she's in, um, I think, South Central LA in an area that's predominantly Black. And she runs into an ex-lover and she's a, uh, she's ashamed. She's ashamed that she's on this date waiting on this white man. And they sit there for like two, three minutes before she's like, I can't do this. But as you see the movie progress, he ends up being her future landscaper at her house. Um, and you watch some push and pull of he's up front. He sees this beautiful woman that he's interested in and he was willing to see where it goes. But clearly she's got some issues of race. Um, but then there's some privilege and some fragility pieces that he has to acknowledge along the way as their friendship blossoms into something else. But that push and pull dynamic doesn't end until both of them can get real with themselves. But then also like be real about how they're hurting and not showing up. So in this one, Kenya, the main character, she has to explain her, her parents' expectations. And each parent has different expectations. She has to navigate her sister's, when I say her sister, her sister friend's expectations of her, or her brother's expectations, and then her own, uh, so that she can get out of her way and decide what she wants out of her life and her love life. So some really good movies to dive into. I'm going to switch it back to both Erica and Kristen, now that we've given you a highlight reel of these movies, listen, it's time to play ball. Like, let's push on, like, how are these movies connecting to what we did learn about love and what we didn't learn about love by those people who were close to us? How about it? <laughs> 